0: Coming up in this episode, you really get into the characters' minds, you get into their hearts, you're invested in them, and you're invested into this larger story of how each of these people got into their situations.
1: I went to the librarian and I told him, here's what I want to write about, and he said, I got you. And they just kind of opened up this wealth of materials.
0: Do the evil ones die? I must know. I I will say that I am personally satisfied with the ending.
2: That's not Uh, really an answer. This podcast from
0: Georgia Public Broadcasting highlights books with Georgia Connections, hosted by two of your favorite public radio book nerds, who also happen to be your hosts of All Things Considered on GPB
2: Radio. I'm Orlando Montoya. And I'm Peter Biello. Thanks for joining us as we introduce you to authors, their writings, and the insights behind the stories mixed with our own thoughts and ideas on just what gives these works the narrative edge. All right, Orlando, it's time to talk again about books. What do you have this time? Well, this time I have a work of fiction. It's called Anywhere You
0: Run by Atlanta-based writer Wanda Morris, and it's part coming of age story, part it. The action is high stakes, there's a lot of twists and turns. And when I was reading it, I sort of got the idea that I was watching these people getting emotionally involved in the characters, and I kind of just wanted to reach into the story and lead these characters to, to safety.
2: Lead them to safety, so who's in danger? What's the danger here?
0: Well, we have two main characters. They're sisters, Violet and Marigold, and this story is set in 1964 Jackson, Mississippi. And these two sisters are black women, young black women, 2021. 20, and so there's a lot of danger sort of inherent in that situation. But in the opening chapters, we find out that Violet has killed somebody and Marigold is unmarried and pregnant. And so they're both on the run.
2: Wow. Okay. So if they're running, someone's chasing them. Right. Who's chasing them? So
0: the person who is chasing them is a young, poor white man called Mercer, and he's kind of in it for the money. He's a hitman, and he's trying to find these two young women. One has fled to a small town in Georgia, Violet. She's gone to a small town in Georgia, which is identified, by the way, as in Tolliver County the one we all love the spelling of.
2: Everybody loves Tolliver County.
0: And uh, the other one, uh, uh, Marigold, goes to Cleveland, Ohio. So Mercer is looking to find and kill Violet. And, you know, one of the things I like about the way the story is set up is that each chapter is kind of really short, and um, each character narrates an individual chapter.
2: And is it giving too much away to say why he wants to kill
0: Violet? He wants to kill Violet... Uh, because another man, Dewey, was having an affair with Violet, and Dewey was a white man. Do you want me to get into all this? Uh, it's it's
2: so, <laughs> so racially motivated, misogynistic hate. They, they want to kill her because of that.
0: Yes, well, Mercer is really in it for the money. I kind of okay. see Mercer as a character as he is uh, racist in the way that sort of all young, poor, white men in that era were racist. He doesn't come across to me as well. I guess he would be evil if he's trying to kill somebody. But
2: <laughs> the, the, so the, she humanize. Does Wanda Morris kind of humanize him, even though he's a terrible person? Yeah, Wanda Morris humanizes everybody
0: in this story. That's why I I like this story because you really you really get into the characters' minds. You get into their hearts. You're invested in them, and you're invested into this larger story of how each of these people got into their situations. These are societal problems. The Jim Crow South. Problems that we're still dealing with today, and that's why Wanda Morris wanted to write the book.
1: The story kind of came out of um, actual headlines, despite the fact that the book is set in 1964. But I started this project right after we had come through the 2020 election. And there was a lot of talk about uh, the big lie and election fraud. And I thought to myself, how did we get here? Um, and why are we still grappling with the same issues that we were grappling with what 60 years ago? And so I knew that I wanted to tackle those issues. Going into a 1964 historical setting was a little unique, but I'm glad I, I took on the
0: challenge.
2: Wow. Okay. So... What issues is she talking about there? Well, we've
0: got abortion. Uh, Two of the characters in the story have an abortion. We have miscarriage. One of the characters has a miscarriage. Uh, There's racism, of course, all through this whole story. There's class power. As I mentioned, Mercer, uh, this this hit man, um, he's of the lower white class. And um, he is really being manipulated by these evil these are the pure evil ones, mm. <laughs> Dewey and Olin. Um, and then there's voting rights because one of the characters is a voting rights activist, and the whole story starts with a with a uh, killing of voting rights activists. There's domestic abuse, and it's all just rivetingly told. And despite all these problems, I want these characters to succeed.
2: So, how does Wanda Morris make the story so
0: riveting? As I said, well, there's empathy. She's talking about them as they're human beings. There's a lot of backstory, as you can imagine. This the chapters are short, but I think there's like 50 some chapters. (laughs) So there's a lot of sort of backstory into all the characters and to why they're sort of acting the way they do. Uh, And there's a lot of nuance and gray areas. You know, I don't think any of these characters, even Violet and Marigold, are 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 totally pure, they have they all make bad decisions. And so you get these gray areas and that's where Wanda really succeeds.
1: First and foremost, I want to tell a story that's engaging and entertaining. Because, you know, people go and spend twenty bucks for a book. They want to be entertained. But I also, I personally like to read books that I learned something from. And because this issue was so important to me, I am a descendant and a beneficiary of the civil rights movement. So I knew that I wanted to weave this issue into the story. I try to make sure that my characters are infused with issues that um, the story tackles. So, for instance, there is uh, a woman who is gay in the story, um, and we see her storyline. Of course, there are Violet and Marigold who have their own issues around um, attack of women um, as well as um, you know, being pregnant and unmarried in the 60s. And so I make sure that my characters carry the storyline and they carry the tough issues.
2: Sometimes when I hear about a character being infused with the kind of issues that their lives uh, are facing, that they become sort of like a caricature of that issue and not not a real human person. So I'll, I'll ask you again, like, is... Does she manage to get away from just making the stereotype of a particular issue, or or are they they actual real people who happen to be facing this particular thing, whether it's abortion or racism or what have you?
0: I would say there was probably only, if I had to say truthfully, there was probably only a couple of characters that were sort of wooden and I could have done without, um, and that they were sort of two-dimensional. And the, 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 the pure evil characters, they were... They were pure evil, mm. uh, and we don't see them a lot uh, in the story. But the main characters, Violet and Marigold and Mercer, are are all very well, well-rounded and well-described.
2: Yeah, and I would say, to be fair, sometimes books need the pure evil character. They just don't really hold up as a main character.
0: Well, there, there, there's not going to be any action.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> or you're watching a cartoon all of a sudden, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, all right, getting back to that storyline, you said that these two sisters were running from a hitman. One ended up in Georgia, the other in Ohio. Where does the story go from there? Well, I think sort of
0: one of the main turning points in the story is when Marigold uh, decides to leave her husband in Ohio and join Violet, who now goes by Vera, in this little town in Georgia. And sort of when you're seeing this or reading this, Believe me, I see it in my mind. But when you're reading this, you get the sense that it is not going to go well mm-hmm. once this happens. Uh, because uh, Mercer is after Violet, and and Mercer is following Marigold to get to Violet. So you, you know it's not going to go down very well at some point. And you just think... How are they possibly going to survive this?
2: Hmm. So how do they survive?
0: Not going to tell you. Ah. (laughs) Wanda Morris leaves the denouement, the, the, the final conclusion to the final chapters. And all I'll say is that four people end up dead. Uh, in addition to the three who are dead in the first chapter, because, as I mentioned, the story starts with a civil rights killing, the, the killing of three young civil rights workers in uh, rural Mississippi. And so over the course of these 50-some chapters, she's leaving clues, and this is something from her lawyer days, because I didn't tell you yet, but she used to be a lawyer. Okay, She actually quit her lawyer job to become a writer. And so she she uses that sort of storytelling, I think, that she got from her legal career. And I asked her how she transitioned to make that leap from lawyer to author. It wasn't as
1: hard as I thought it would be. You know, I think I always just thought I'm a lawyer. But at the heart of it, I think I've always been a storyteller, as she mentioned. And so once I started to write these stories, I felt this sense of engagement and purpose that I hadn't found in a long time in my legal practice. It's interesting because I tend to write about stories about issues that, you know, make me sad and make me mad and make me crazy. And interestingly enough, those issues make other people mad and sad. Um, and I think that has, what, that has been what has um, driven readers to my books.
0: That's one thing that I think gives the story the narrative edge. It has sort of a lawyerly manner of building up a story layer upon layer, step by step, and you're really invested in these characters.
2: Okay, so what else can you say to recommend this book? Scene setting
0: scene setting, lots of like music from the time. You can feel the dirt. You can smell the earth, the clothing, the language that she uses. Um, and she's talking about like buses and diners and pay phones and people making reverse phone calls, reverse charges. Remember reverse charges? I'm too young for that. Sorry. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> okay. Well, I could really see this story. And I asked her, how did she do that? I always like to give a shout out to the
1: Auburn Avenue Research Library on African American History and Culture, located right here on Auburn Avenue in Atlanta. And um, I, once I had settled on the issue, I knew I wanted to tackle voting rights. And once I settled on that issue, I went into that library and... Um, I went to the librarian and I told him, here's what I want to write about. And he said, I got you. And they just kind of opened up this wealth of materials, books and papers, particularly around the Freedom Summer, as well as the murder of the three young civil rights workers. I also did something that kind of helped me get into the mindset of the 1960s. And that was to listen to a lot of music from the 1960s. If anyone goes to my website, there's a playlist for the book, and there's all types of music. I read a ton of magazines, Tan, Ebony, Life, because those gave me a sense of the way people talked in the 60s. The way people talked in the 60s is very different from the way we talk now. And so I wanted to lean in that and make sure that the reader had an ear for what the 1960s sounded like. So there was a wealth of information that I tapped into.
2: So I really want to hear some of these words. Uh, did, was she using different words, or was the dialogue sort of authentically 1964? It was authentically
0: 1964, so she was using words that we don't use. Okay.
2: Well, do the
0: evil ones die? I must know. I, I will say that I am personally satisfied with the ending. Oh, that's not uh, really an answer. <laughs> <laughs> what a dodge. Even, you know, there were a couple of twists and turns that I would personally not have written, but that's the beauty of fiction. You know, it's not my book. It's, it's Wanda Morris's book. And I think the difference between, you know, my book and my head and her book that she has written is where you sort of find yourself. And that's the beauty of reading. You know,
2: you, you read books to find yourself. Well, that's a great place to leave it. The book is Anywhere You Run by Wanda Morris, Orlando. Thanks for telling us about it. Thank you. And I look forward to the next one.
0: Thanks for listening to Narrative Edge. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. This podcast is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. Find us online at gpb.org
2: Narrative Edge. You can also catch us on the daily GPB news podcast, Georgia Today, for a concise update on the latest news in Georgia. For more on that and all of our podcasts, go to gpb.org podcasts.